And we're going to start at chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 18. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honour your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. This is God's word. I'm going to ask Connor to come up now, who's going to speak this morning. Um, Just by way of introduction through the summer, 
Um, different people ha- are going to be speaking each week, and uh, most of those who will be speaking are those who've been attending NBC. So not only do we, we want to hear God's word primarily through our servant Connor this morning, um, but also do talk to Connor afterwards, um, give some feedback to him as well. Connor, thanks very much. Thanks, Johnny. Well, just as I begin, let's uh, let's pray. Commit our time to, to the Lord. <coughs> Father God, thank you for uh, bringing us all here this morning. Thank you that we have the the privilege of coming here um, without anyone uh, judging us. Thank you that we can open your word, this life-giving word that we can read from it, take from it great truths that stand the test of time. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, Lord, it's still so relevant to today. We pray that you speak to us now today through your Holy Spirit, speak into each one of our hearts, help us to leave here um, being changed by you from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last month, our new Taoiseach was voted in. Most party members in Fine Gael voted for Leo Varadkar as their new leader, but some preferred Simon Coveney. Uh, those who voted for Coveney now have Varadkar as their leader. Whether they like it or not, they have to submit to his authority or leave. You probably didn't hear, but um, back in January, uh, there was uh, America voted in a new president, Donald Trump. Now, there wasn't great media coverage, so you're you're forgiven for for not knowing. But many Americans did not vote for Trump. That's probably hard to believe. But he's now the president of America. These same Americans are claiming that Trump is not in charge. All through social media, we see the tagline, hashtag not my president, following a post by an irate American refusing to submit to Trump's authority. We can be quite similar in the relationships that Johnny has just read about. And we may not post on, uh, on social media, hashtag not my spouse or hashtag not my parent, not my boss, but we have a tendency to ignore the authority of each. Let's take a look at, at why it's important. The second half of verse 18 that Johnny read, chapter 5, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Well, firstly, being filled with the Spirit is not a dramatic experience that results in in absolutely crazy things happening. It's not then the other end of the spectrum where we just trudge along trying to, to carry out every command in our own strength. It's also not the same as being indwelt by the Spirit, which we know is enjoyed by everyone who accepts Jesus as their saviour. And finally then, it's not some kind of progressive filling of the Spirit until one day we'll be fully filled. John the Baptist explains in in John chapter 3 that the Spirit is given to every believer without limit. Right. So what is being filled with the Spirit? Well, very simply, it's about allowing the Spirit to have total control of your life. 
It's about recognizing that without the Spirit, we can do nothing in and of ourselves. John MacArthur, a Christian pastor and author, he says the Christian should be like a glove. A glove in and of itself can do nothing, but it becomes useful once it's filled by a hand. Once it's filled, however, the glove still knows that whatever it has done or will do, it's all because of the hand that fills it. Be filled with the Spirit. It's passive. Be filled. It's something that we allow to happen to ourselves. It's all the Spirit's work. But God has provided the means for us to allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. That's what verses 19 to 21 are about. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All these things, the uh, speaking to one another, singing songs, uh, giving thanks to God, submitting to one another, it's all pointing back to being filled with the Spirit. Submit to one another is a command in order to enable us to be filled with the Spirit. The rest of the passage that we'll be looking at uh, is speaking about submission, but it's important to remember that it's all being linked back to being filled with the Spirit. But why submit? Verse 21 tells us, out of reverence for Christ. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus submitted to the Father. And following his perfect example, out of gratitude for the sacrifice he made, by allowing himself to be falsely convicted of our crimes and willingly taking the punishment that should have been ours, out of gratitude for this, we should submit to him by submitting to others. We should be putting others' needs before our own, just like Jesus put our needs before, before his when he suffered the, the agony of dying on the cross, a death we deserved. If we go back a couple of verses to verse 15, it says, Be very careful then how you live. Being filled with the Spirit is living. It's putting into action God's words in every aspect of your life. Verse 16 tells us that days are evil. And I think we can all agree with that when we turn on the news or or pick up a newspaper. I sat down uh, in front of the Irish Times for a couple of minutes last week, just read the headlines, and this is what I was met with. A woman's body found in woods near Dublin, a man beaten to death in Dublin, a Spanish teenager raped in Dublin, a woman murdered in Sligo, acid attacks in London, and two German students murdered in Egypt. I dread to think what I would have seen if I would have kept reading. You don't have to be a genius to work out there's an issue. We're all human, and we all have the same problem in our hearts that allows us to do these awful atrocities. The Bible tells us this problem is common to all, and it's called sin. By accepting this, we realize very quickly we're far worse than we think. But when we think on what Christ has done by willingly taking our punishment, we just as quickly realize 
we're far more loved than we think. This is why we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, by submitting to others. Well, we've seen why we submit out of reverence, gratitude for Christ, but how do we submit to one another? Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The first thing to point out here is the example given is the church submitting to Christ. We know that Christ doesn't submit to the church. Christ is an authority over the church. So a type of mutual submission of of wives to husbands and husbands to wives is not what Paul has in mind. The second thing to take from the example of the church submitting to Christ is to realize that God intends marriage to point to this beautiful relationship, the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Jesus loves his church, his bride, so much that he fully gave himself up for her. In response, the church submits to his authority in every area of their lives. The church trusts Christ with their lives because he gave up his own. This is the gospel of Christ, that you can live in glory with God because Jesus has paid the price of your sins and defeated death. The spousal relationship is supposed to be a wonderful picture of this amazing truth. Paul says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now we know that we we submit to the Lord because he has indeed done all of these things. He's earned it. He's wise and he knows what's best. Well, because Jesus is and has done all these things, that's why wives should submit to their husbands, even if the husbands don't deserve it. Obviously, submission to Christ comes first. So I'm not talking about submitting to your husband in absolutely anything he says and does. There are exceptions. Wives, of course, also, they have a say in what's being done in the home or in their relationship. But wives are called, above all, to submit to Christ and then submit to their husbands. Following instructions to wives, Paul then hones in on the husbands. I think it's extremely significant that he takes up three times as much space in his letter explaining to husbands their role in the marriage. I think he does this because husbands have a tendency to abuse or forget their responsibility. We've just been talking about wives submitting to husbands and maybe some of your backs went up against the wall. Perhaps you picture the domineering husband and the the cowering wife. What a disgusting picture. This is why we need the beautiful gospel of Christ and why God wants every marriage to demonstrate it. God explains through his servant Paul what a wonderful spousal relationship should look like. For the husbands, Paul tells you to love your wives because marriage is supposed to be a picture of the gospel of Christ. But he also tells you how to love your wives. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands are supposed to have sacrificial love 
for their wives. Many men, myself included, have no problem visualizing a situation where we gallantly need to lay down our lives for the one we love. But does sacrificial love mean more than that? Does it mean turning down the job that will cause added stress to your relationship? Does it mean doing the dishes even after you've had a busy day at work? Does it mean not playing that match at the weekend because your wife is feeling down and wants you to spend time with her? Sacrificial love looks like putting your wife's needs and desires ahead of your own. Just like Christ puts your needs ahead of his. What a glorious marriage relationship it would be if it could even slightly mirror Christ's relationship with his church. If husbands had a fraction of the love for their wives as Christ has for them, what a beautiful thing it would be for husband and wife and also for anyone else looking in at the marriage. Verses 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Husbands should desire and strive for their wives' holiness, for her sanctification, You should be actively seeking ways that you can help her achieve perfection. After all, it's the end goal of the Christian life. Moving on to verse 28. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Self-love. And down to verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. When a man marries, he is no longer just himself. His wife and he are united. They are one body. If taking that job is best for you and your wife, then great. If it's not good for either of you, then don't go for it. If it's good for you, and not good for her, then how do you decide? When I was younger and fitter, I played soccer. My dad used to try to get me to practice with my left leg so that it wouldn't be weaker than my right leg. Did I listen? Of course not. My mum's here, she could vouch for that. As a result, my left leg suffered badly. Now whenever I play soccer, it doesn't take long for the opposition to realise that my right leg is the only danger to their team, whatever danger that may be. I should have listened to my dad and done what was best for my whole body. In the same way, as husbands, you need to make your decisions based on what's best for your whole body, you and your wife. Chapter 6 then moves on to the next relationship that would be found in the home, parents and children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honor your father and mother, it says. That means obedience and so much more. Parents, simply because they're your parents and God has said so, deserve great respect. 
This means doing what they ask, not mocking them to their face or to your friends, not deliberately frustrating them, and so on and so on. And finally, God, in his mercy and generosity, has even decided to bless you if you fulfill this command. It's the only commandment with a promise attached. Things will go well, and you will have long life. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. But then, like in the spousal relationship, Paul then turns to those in authority. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. He advises not to frustrate your children. You don't always have to say no to them. You don't always have to ensure that every single demand you make of them is carried out. You are allowed to take the situation and their feelings into account. Children, like adults, have a tendency to not want to please people when they're tired, for example. If it's an hour past their bedtime and they were up early that morning, there's no need to start a fight over not cleaning up the glass of water they spilled. Maybe take it on yourself to clean it up, even if you're wrecked from a busy day of work, and then lovingly and gently get them to bed. However, it's also the parent's job to instruct and discipline them in wisdom and love when the need arises. It's the parent's job to ensure that their children learn about pleasing our Lord Jesus. The next verses then refer to the final relationship that would be present in an Ephesian home in the 60s AD, which is when this this letter was written. The relationship between a slave and their master. Now Paul is certainly not condoning slavery, but simply advising how to carry out their roles in the home. The reality is slaves were present in many homes at this time, and those homes included Christians. Either they were Christian slaves or they were Christian masters. What Paul has to say would have been radical for both. He begins in verse 5, chapter 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Slaves were to obey their masters with a genuine concern for what their masters asked them to do. Every slave listening would have been in a, in a different situation. Some would have been treated very well, and others may have been ordered to dispose of the excrement and then treated as if they were that which they were disposing of. The Holy Spirit, knowing this, instructs Paul to advise them to obey with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. They were to view their jobs, whatever they were, as serving their ultimate master in heaven. Verses 6 to 8. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. What an encouragement this would have been to the slave who was despised by his master. God knows the heart of man. God sees the work he is doing and will one day reward him for it. 
The closest thing we can come to this is a relationship between people and authorities. It's different because it's a relationship outside of the home, but also because as citizens or uh, employees or even church members, we have rights. Slaves in Paul's time had limited or no rights. We're not slaves, but we are called to submit and obey. Like in Romans chapter 13. Um, If you want to flick there and keep a finger in Ephesians, then feel free. It's on page 1140. And I'm just going to read Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Feel free to follow along. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The motivation used is serve the authorities as if you are serving God. They are put in authority over us by God, and so they deserve our respect, obedience, and submission. By respecting authority, we're allowing ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. Those in authority, employers or guardi or leaders in the church, you have a responsibility to those under your care. Verse 9 says, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their masters and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. You have to love and treat them as you would like to be treated. Yes, you are in authority, but you shouldn't be domineering or dictatorial. Your God is their God. Everyone will be judged, and those in authority will be held accountable for their actions, especially those in authority in the church. Be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is a gracious gift from God that enables us to love and submit in all these relationships that we were talking about. Without God, without the Spirit, we could not live like this. Many people recoil in fear when submission is spoken about, especially if it involves different roles for men and women. This reaction to God's Word is proof in itself that we need the Spirit to have any hope of living as God wants us to. If you do know Jesus, then you know that he loves you and wants what's best for you. There's a Mumford and Sons song that goes, <clears throat> don't worry, I'm not going to say it. I saw Johnny looking up there getting a bit worried. It says, Love, it will not betray you, dismay or enslave you, it will set you free. Be more like the man you were made to be. God's love, God's instruction, if we submit to it, will set us free and help us to be the men and women that he made us to be. If we're willing to submit to Christ and say, hashtag yes my president, hashtag yes my master, yes my God, then he is willing to accept us just as we are He will fill us with the Spirit and we in turn will be able to submit to each other out of reverence.
for Christ. Let me just pray before we move on and uh, sing our final song. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that in our lives we view it as just that divinely inspired, non-negotiable instruction and love. We ask you to help us to submit to Christ. We can't do it by ourselves, Lord. We need your spirit. Help us to also love and submit in all these relationships that we were thinking about. Husbands, wives, parents, children, uh, bosses or those in authority. Again, Lord, we can't do it without you, but we do know there are many things that we can do to help us along the way. Thank you for being here with us. Um, We pray that you go before us in the rest of the week, that you help us to, to live out what we've heard throughout the week that we would love and submit to our spouses that we would love and submit to our parents and our children and that we would love those in authority and those under our authority we pray also now as we sing that you would help us to have that sincerity of heart it's talking about that they're not just words we're not just singing for the sake of it but that it really does mean something to us and we want to submit and commit ourselves to you in jesus name amen thanks ralph so the final song uh, we're going to sing